Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Hello there and welcome back to another exciting episode of This Song Is Yours. I'm Simon Fink, your guide through all things music in 2024, and today we've got a true virtuoso joining us on the podcast. It's Molly Lewis, the world-renowned whistler extraordinaire. Now get ready to be blown away, no pun intended, because Molly is not your average whistler. With collaborations under her belt with the likes of Karen O from the Yeah Years, Mac DeMarco, and even Dr. Dre, she has cemented her place as one of the most sought-after talents within the music industry. Let's also not forget her recent work on the Barbie soundtrack alongside Mr. Mark Ronson. But Molly's musical journey goes beyond just whistling. Inspired by foreign film scores and world music, she's set to release her debut album On The Lips later this week. It's a mesmerizing blend of old jazz club vibes, nostalgia and exquisite instrumental arrangements that will transport you to another era. In today's episode, we sit down with Molly to uncover the secrets behind her remarkable whistling skills, paying homage to her whistling hero, Alessandra Alessandroni. We delve into her experience working on the Barbie soundtrack, and we also get a glimpse into her creative songwriting process. Now we want to give a huge shout out to Emma for making today's interview possible. And before we dive into the world of whistling wonders with Molly Lewis, please make sure you subscribe to This Song Is Yours on your favorite podcast platform. Stay tuned for more brilliant episodes throughout the year by following us across all social media channels. Details are waiting for you in today's show notes. So let's not keep you any longer. Let's dive into the world of Molly Lewis. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Molly Lewis. Molly, hello. How is it going? <laughs> hello. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm going very well, thanks. Oh, look, my absolute pleasure in having you on the show and thank you so much for coming on. I, um, I'm very excited, to, firstly, just to have you on to chat, um, but also because of the uh, what is happening this week. There is a brand new record from yourself coming out this Friday. It is called On The Lips. Um, firstly, congratulations on this, um, this gorgeous, gorgeous record. How are you feeling with, um, I imagine there's kind of a multitude of emotions and feelings going around at the moment. Uh, yeah, mainly just feeling a bit overwhelmed, (laughs) um, but also, you know, excited. It's all, it's fun stuff. Um, but yeah, a lot to think about, uh, and, do around album release I think that's what's kind of funny it's you know you finish the music I finished the music quite a while ago but um yeah but it, I, I will say I I took a break from listening to it for a while just because 
I got a little bit over it after the mixing process and hearing the songs again, I'm like, oh, wow, it's, it's pretty good. You know, <laughs> I like it. Well, firstly, I'm glad to hear that it does still stand up for yourself. It is a, um, as I said, it's a stunning record and we were very lucky enough to have a listen um, to it before it's coming out this week. So thank you for that. It's funny, we've spoken to a few artists where kind of what you said that you'll finish recording and mixing this music and you've kind of got it sitting there in a folder on your hard drive, on your laptop, wherever it may be, for a period of time before people actually do get to hear it, which I can imagine, as you said, you then sitting with this project yourself and kind of having all these thoughts and feelings with it. Um, I guess once it does come out later this week, are you feeling that that's going to be a sense of relief that this is just out in the ether for, for people to enjoy? Yeah. Uh, it, it, yes. I will be relieved that, um, I, you know, I guess the part of the process that I don't really like that, like I love making the music and the creative aspect and, and then I guess, you know, the release stuff, it's just like the pr- self-promotion and um, kind of pushing everything, it can be a little, I, you know, that doesn't come as naturally uh, to me. Um, so that's, uh, I will be relieved that it's just out <laughs> and people can just listen and, you know, enjoy it if they want. Um, and yeah, there's something really nice about having it out in the world, especially these days, Um you know, as much as I have problems with the internet and social media, you know, I also, and also love, uh, the immediacy of it and, um, being able to just kind of look, get messages from people all around the world or see, you know, where people are listening or talk to someone in Australia. And, you know, it's, it is really lovely that music, it can travel so far so quickly and, you know, you can have this connection with people that way. So I am excited that people will get to listen and see how that goes. <laughs> I have a feeling that lots of people are going to be loving this album. And so I look, I can very much appreciate that probably the, the release aspect, the press aspect, I very much know that it can be, um, draining and and daunting and a whole bunch of other um feelings for that so once again we do appreciate you having a chat with us <laughs> oh I, I didn't mean to you know uh i love talking about myself i'm happy to be here <laughs> but uh yeah more more just so like the kind of promotional like posting and please buy my album you know that kind of stuff which is yeah. like ah oh. People can buy it if they want. I don't want to have to keep pushing this, but I, of course, I want them to buy it. Please buy the album. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that would be nice. We will make sure that um, the, the links within the podcast show notes are available for everyone to pre-order the album, to buy the album, to see when you're touring, to to be able to connect with you. So we'll make sure that that is possible for anyone who's listening to this conversation. Um, as I've said, this is a stunning record, Molly. I'm curious for for you. I know there was two EPs before this. When did you kind of, I guess, stumble upon that you were you were making the album, the the this full length record? Well, you know, it's it's funny because I people keep bringing up the fact that you know this is the first LP, it's the first full length, and um, and for me, it doesn't really feel that much different to putting out an EP. And I, I guess, 
you know, releasing the first EP a few years ago, it's the first time I've ever released music. And so that was a lot more daunting and I learned a lot more. So at this point, I feel a little bit, you know, like I know the ropes a bit better and um, more comfortable recording and writing and um, kind of knew the process a lot more than I did originally. So, um, yeah, uh, of course, the goal was always to make a, a full length um, and the EPs were like a warm up. Uh, but it it kind of happened quickly, like um some of the songs were things, little ideas and things that I'd had sitting around for years. Um, one of the songs was something we'd recorded. I'd recorded with Tom Brennick, the producer who produced the last two EPs. He produced this and co-wrote a lot of songs. Um, so we'd recorded something a few years ago that didn't make it onto one of the EPs and revisited it when we were working on the on this and you know we're like wait this song's great let's, let's chuck this one on <laughs> um yeah i think having time to and space to look at things is can sometimes be really great um yeah uh but most of it we wrote early like um around this time last year around kind of well more like march actually march april uh but yeah every song was kind of different it was it's all it's a big collaboration. You know, I worked with Tom and Roger again. Uh, Roger and I wrote um, most of the last EP, Mirage. He's a wonderful Brazilian musician. He, uh, so it, this one kind of felt like coming together of a lot of the different collaborators. And um, yeah, we, but yeah, I'm not. Uh, what was the question? Sorry. Where am, what, what am I talking about? The album? Um, More so um, on, I guess, was there that feeling that you were recording a full-length record or was it just, as you've kind of said, that it was just um, you were writing songs and it was regardless of whether it's an EP or an album, that it was that composing and creating of music? I mean, you know, for, I don't really know what the difference is except it's like a few songs more um, because the, the EPs were just as big to me and just as much of a musical world. Um, so yeah, this one, it has a few more songs on it, but it's, it was kind of felt like the same process, you know, it's the writing and the studio work. And then also just kind of, for me, like coming up with a, a concept and an idea that brings all the music together, you know, because it's, it's instrumental. So I, I like to kind of think of like, where, where does this belong and what world does, are these songs part of? And, you know, how, where does this mood fit in? Um, so yeah, I, I'd kind of had the idea for what I wanted that to be for a while. So, you know, all the writing and everything kind of had that in mind, but, um, it didn't happen quite quickly. I think we were just at the studio for a few months kind of playing around. Um, yeah. I love that. I do want to kind of touch on the, um, the recording process with Tom in a little bit as well, because I know that there was, um, quite a, I want to say like a bit of a revolving door of collaborators. And I do want to get to that. Uh, one little point that you just made then was that this music is instrumental. I did want to point out for um, anyone who's listening to the podcast that might not be across your music or your artist project. Um, and please correct me if I, if I get any of this wrong. I want to say that you're maybe one of, if not the world's most famous whistling 
artist. Is that the, have I phrased that correctly? Uh, I'll take it. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, yeah, there aren't, yeah, I'm a whistler. Uh, and I know that it's hard to explain. A lot of people don't know what that means because they've, there aren't many whistlers and people, most people haven't heard a whistler. Um, uh, so yes, I, I do think I'm probably the most prolific whistler of the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there are, there are a few other whistlers out there. Uh, I know them all. It's a small community. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a very, very small community. It's, I think I only know one other whistler who's doing it professionally kind of full time. It is an incredible, incredible talent. And, and I, I feel like, again, anyone who's not aware of your music, firstly, go check out Molly's music. It is incredible. But having a listen to it, it is an incredible talent that you do have, Molly. I'm, I'm wondering how you first kind of stumbled across this as your, as your instrument, like how you came across. Because I feel like some people can't whistle to begin with or or some can and then yeah obviously as you said that there's a small batch of people who can do it professionally in a musician capacity how did you stumble across your kind of um your talent well it's it's a little murky for me I and I I mean I'm obviously I get asked this question often and so I, I do have a story but um I can't you know I I remember whistling as a child, like most kids, you know, trying to make a sound and eventually getting it. Um, and, uh, and then I, I guess I must've been quite good at it. I, you know, I, because my parents showed me a documentary about a whistling competition when I was in high school, Mm. um, they, you know, they, obviously could tell it was something I was good at and and that I liked doing. But, um, yeah, it's until I saw this documentary and saw that there were other whistlers out there who were as good as I was, then not only could I whistle like them, but they were winning awards. You know, I was, that's kind of when I finally could compare myself to something and, you know, realize that, oh yes, I, I was very good at it. Um, because yeah, up until then I didn't really have much to compare it to, you know, it was just, yeah, I'm, I'm a good whistler, but what does that mean? Um, but yeah, the documentary was a big, seeing that was a big moment for me. I also got a CD of a professional whistler that, um, was big for me too, in the same way. Uh, and then also YouTube was kind of new in my Mm -hmm. high school years. And I remember I was, following this whistler on YouTube name um, who went by whistler's brother and he would do these like whistle tutorials and, um, we chatted a little bit. He kind of, he told me about the whistling competitions, but, um, yeah, I, up until like, you know, hearing other whistlers and seeing these videos, I, I didn't really know what being a good whistler meant. So I'm sure I was whistling away, but I, I can't really remember (laughs) how, you know, can't remember that that well how does um so going from from that point into i guess where we are now where was that um that moment of ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Realizing that you are a fantastic whistler, but then turning that into your own compositions and your own music. Like, were you also studying music at the same time that you were kind of coming across your, your talent? No, I, well, so yeah, this has been a long process. I, I, I grew up playing piano, so I, and I, I love music. I always had a very good ear for music. I, I never learned to read music, even though, you know, teachers tried to teach me because I, I could pick things out with my ear. So, um, and that's very helpful with whistling, of course, because I can hear something and I can play it. Um, but yeah, I, it took many, many, I, but yeah, I didn't study music. I didn't go to school for music. I was not very good at any other instruments. Um, and so I never really thought I could be a musician or that I, I was a musician. Um, when I first started doing little performances and things, it was, the like, first one was a competition where you whistle covers. Um, and, and then when I moved to Los Angeles, I started doing this kind of live act with a band. And the first show was a, a tribute to Alessandro Alessandroni, who was my favorite my whistling hero, he, mm -hmm. if you don't know Alessandroni's work, he, well, most people would have heard him because he was the whistler for all of Morricone's uh, scores. Mm -hmm. So like that's <laughs> Alessandroni, but he also wrote a lot of incredible compositions and, and he wrote compositions for whistle. And when he died, I, I wanted to put on a tribute night to his work um because I felt like I was the only one who might be able to perform it and uh and so that was my first foray into live performing with a band and so for many years I was just doing covers and you know the the live show kind of went from this Italian soundtrack tribute to more of a lounge like jazz covers bossa nova covers just covers of any songs that I loved and felt would translate well as a whistle like um mm. we've even done opera or classical pieces um but uh i i guess i slowly started kind of you know I, i'd hear melodies in my head and i'd make voice messages of them without knowing what to do with that and when i met tom brennick um who incredible musician and producer he he was very encouraging of this in a way that, you know, I just felt like my little melodies and ditties were like super basic and not anything. Um, and yeah, quite self-conscious about it too. You know, it's music, it, it feels very personal. It's, it, and it is, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's coming from you. It's your own, your own expression. And, um, 
yeah, it's like writing poetry. Like, I, I don't know, sometimes I write things I would never show anyone. So yeah, I felt like that with my, um, my melodies and, but yeah, I met Tom and he just really made it such a fun and exciting process. You know, he heard, I had this one little melody, um, that I'd written. I had started playing guitar during the pandemic, uh, not very well, but I could, you know, I've got the chords down and I could write songs. Oh, it helped me write melodies over the guitar chords. Um, and I took one to Tom when we were in the studio because, you know, and he helped turn it into um, one of my songs uh, that's called Oceanic Feeling that was on my first EP. Um, my first EP was supposed to be covers. I thought it was just going to be covers. And we started, I started writing music with Tom and started making, you know, bringing these original pieces and he helped me, you know, flesh them out and, you know, showed me how they could become full songs like, Oh yeah, let's add a sax solo in the middle and, you know, come <laughs> back to the verse and there you go. That's a song. You know, I, I, it, 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 it was a lot simpler than not that it's simple, but it, it wasn't as daunting, you know, when I had such a wonderful collaborator and champion and someone who could really, who was so helpful in helping this come to life. 100%. I feel like um, it's it's almost sometimes the hurdles that we put up in our own mind of like that it's, as you said, it's it's not as daunting or difficult as, as maybe originally thought. It's that thing of um, doing itself. I was hoping to, if I might be so bold as to kind of ask about my favorite track on the record. Um, this record, it is sonically just stunning. Um, I know that it's probably, uh, I, I know that we, uh, before we started recording, we were talking about how early it is here in Australia at the moment. I did spend most of last night trying to work out the best way to put it. And maybe it was tiredness, whatever we want to call it. Um, there's a certain old Hollywood noir sound to this record and I'm not sure if that's lazy I apologize if it is but it was the best way I could encapsulate it in in a short kind of sentence no Um, that's great (laughs) um, I I love that oh cool perfect great (laughs) um the track that I just found myself kept I kept coming back to was moon 10 there is a beauty in this song there is almost like a little bit of sadness in the song as well and I was wondering if you could just um talk us through the creation or the the inspiration or how this kind of song came to be oh so cool um that I you know it, it's this is what's fun about having music out there it's like because I, I wasn't expecting you to say that one I don't know why not but um yeah it's fun hearing what you know the things that people are drawn to and the, mm. the different songs that capture people um yes okay wait I'm just gonna listen oh yeah moon 10 okay so <laughs> I need to listen to it because I uh you know a lot of the times we have these working titles for the songs mm. and um uh, <laughs> yeah that one um so that one, gosh, that was one that I wrote. Um, I wrote the chords uh, and the melody. I think that was, you know, so my guitar playing has slightly advanced um, mm-hmm. over the years since I started playing in the pandemic. Um, but yeah, there's certain chords that I just 
really go back to. I feel like if you were to listen to the songs that I've written the chords for, they're probably all the same. <laughs> it's like, you know, E minor, uh, A7, uh, you know, just these kind of melancholy, like beautiful <laughs> chords. I cannot, I, you know, if I want to change it up, I just put a capo on and I do the same chords just <laughs> somewhere else. But um, yeah. so that one, yeah, that one really... Uh, <laughs> Gosh, you know, I'd had this kind of melody and guitar, but because I'm not a trained songwriter, music, you know, I, I feel like I get to a certain place and then I don't know where to go. Like I had this like round of chords and this melody and then I'm usually like, okay, Tom, like what, what, what do we do now? You know, and how do we make this into a, a real song? And um, so I think, you know, I'd brought that in and we, uh, what's fun about the studio and Tom's way of working too, is there's always musicians hanging out. There's mm-hmm. session musicians, there's people who are making their own records. There's people who just come by who he's played with before who want to hang. And, um, so yeah, this, uh, Roger Joseph Manning Jr., amazing keyboard player, and Joe Harrison, wonderful multi-instrumentalist. Um, <clears throat> they were in the studio, and yeah, we we kind of, oh, yeah, we kind of like, I hate the word jam, but like, you <laughs> know, worked out kind of a, um, a uh, middle section um, break after the verses. And um, Michael Jerome Moore, who's a drummer, percussionist, and friend who I've been playing with for many years, he played at some of my first shows in LA. He'd come to the studio to record uh, the um, drums. Uh, And yeah, you know, we kind of put down like the basic parts of the song and and then Joe and Roger started doing this like incredible I I don't even know what Joe was doing with the he had like a coin on the guitar strings and he was making this really interesting sound um I I I wonder if there's a word for what he was doing. I don't even know, but like you can hear it. There's this very interesting, strange sound in the, in the song. And that was Joe. Um, and you know, in the room with Roger kind of putting on these overdubs and like really going wild. Like I remember, I mean, it's not hardly wild, but you know, for me, I, I was in the control room with Tom and we were listening to what they were adding and it was, we were just like, <laughs> like, that's what's so fun. You know, we were in there just being like, Oh my God, like keep going. You know, it was, it was just so beautiful what they were doing. And, um, yeah, so that's what I remember about Moontan. I forget what its working title was, but, um, that name now is kind of a tribute to Piero Umiliani, one of my favorite composers. He has a album and all these compositions, uh, called Pelle de Luna. And that is, that means moon tan in Italian. So, um, yeah, so that was my, my little reference to Umiliani, not that the song, you know, has anything, you know, takes a candle to (laughs) the great Umiliani, but, um, yeah, that, that's where that comes from. Uh, and that's just a little bit about that song. 
um, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Thank you very much for sharing that. That was awesome. It is like a stunning, stunning track and the whole album, as I've said, I'll, I'll stop singing your praises in a second, but yeah, it is. A, it's yeah, a please. It's, it's annoying. <laughs> Enough praises. <laughs> Simon, be professional, please. Come on. Um, the um, As you kind of mentioned with Thomas, that there was like people dropping by the studio. I know, um, who was it? People, uh, members from Bad, Bad, Not Good and the Sacred Souls kind of came by. I know that um, they've all kind of contributed or collaborated on the record in some way. And I know that you yourself have collaborated with quite a range of artists, which I found really fascinating. I think that there was... Um, quite a lot of composers, quite a lot of world music artists. And then there was artists like Dr. Dre or Mac DeMarco, which is just like this, it's a stunning repertoire. Um, <laughs> how do you find collaborating with people with, with whistling? And I guess, how do they approach you? I guess, do you get sent some really strange pictures on what people kind of want you to contribute to their project? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is what I've loved about what I do. You know, it, it, I do feel like whistle kind of trend, this instrument that I use, it, it does kind of transcend lots of musical genres. You know, you can use yeah. a whistle across any type of music and, and I have, and I have at this point. <laughs> um, but, and it is so fascinating getting to work with different artists, um, seeing how they work. And, and I, I think I've just learned so much from this, from going to different studios and, um, yeah, seeing the process. Uh, but, um, yeah, I guess for the most part, I've also learned a lot about making music and improvisation because of this, because I think, you know, mainly sometimes people have a clear idea of what they want me to do and I'll get a, uh, you know, a pure uh, melody or line that they want me to play. But most of the time it's, a co you know, a combination of they want me to try something and improvise something and see what happens. Um, yeah and do the melody that they've thought of or, or even just, just improvise. So, um, which when I first started doing it was very scary because I'd never really done that in front of people. And, and again, it's, it feels quite, um, it's a little, you know, it feels personal, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it, it did kind of, but yeah, when you're being hired by someone and going to their studio and it's, someone like Dr. Dre or, you know, um, and you, you just want to kind of do the best thing you can and, and try your hardest. Um, so yeah, that doing sessions and things like that, I feel really threw me into the deep end of like thinking on my toes and like having to kind of come up with things. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, it's been, it's been an interesting part of it. Of course, I can only imagine. As I as I said, the repertoire is quite eclectic, quite um, uh, yeah, quite an incredible kind of list of artists. I think Karen O was on there as well. We love Karen O from the AES. Um, there is one that I do want to ask about very quickly, um, which is somewhat of an obvious one. I believe that you had a part in the billion dollar franchise that is the Barbie movie, working with Mark Ronson <laughs> and Andrew. Um, how did that kind of come about, contributing to the score of Barbie? Uh, well, that one, that's another, so Tom worked with Mark on the score. Um, he'd gone to New York to do some session stuff for the, the soundtrack and Mark had asked him for my phone number and 
when Tom came back and we were in the process of recording the album at the time. And it was kind of like crunch time too. Like we, you know, we were every day kind of had to be in there and, and Tom told me Mark was going to give me a call and he was like, expect an interesting phone call. And I was like, Oh God, like what could this be about? <laughs> and you know, Mark called and, um, he had this, this piece, um, that had a very clear melody. It was, it's the melody that Billie Eilish wrote for the song, uh, for her, her song on this, on the soundtrack. Um, what was I made for this piece? And so they, Mark and Andrew had made a, a variation on this song to, that was going to be part of the score and play at a part in the movie where Barbie kind of goes back in time. So they wanted it to feel like a, like a thirties kind of orchestral version of this song. And so, and Mark, told me, you know, he thought a whistle as the melody would be perfect. Uh, and I was like, yes, I agree. I think that would be perfect. I think we should do this. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he kind of got me to send a little demo and so we could get approval from Greta Gerwig and luckily she was into it. And then they were like, can you be in New York tomorrow to record? And, um, and luckily I think, you know, there was, like it was the weekend and there was some reason that we did have a break in like, you know, our album schedule. So mm -hmm. I, which, you know, thank goodness there I could go and record on this cause it was a really fun session job. Um, you know, the, the piece is just like, it was a joy to whistle on this. It's like a dream uh, whistling over this, 70 piece orchestra it's so lush and and moving it really feels like kind of these old disney soundtracks um of back in the day uh so yeah that was really really fun and a great experience um <laughs> that's incredibly awesome thank you for sharing that story with us it is yeah there's there's a beautiful nostalgia in that track even though it was as you said recorded only in like the last year or so the the orchestra the the melody line was by herself just makes it this kind of incredibly timeless little piece so um yeah thank you very much for sharing that um <laughs> molly thank you so much for coming on to the podcast i do appreciate it um congrats again on on the lips it's out later this week super excited for everyone to be able to hear it but um yes thank you again for for chatting with us today thanks simon thanks so much for having me it was a pleasure Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.